Ludus Novus, Episode 13, for September 13th, 2008. Over the next hill. The cage is very small. A tiny silver ball makes you a hero. The moment you step inside, the world is watching you. What you're about to do will live on for. Even though you'll be dead and gone Buckle up, we're about to turn the engines Hello from Sputnik 2 Welcome to Ludus Novus, the podcast about the art of interaction, digital games, interactive fiction, and role-playing. I'm Gregory Weir, and yes, that was another Jonathan Colton song. I can't help it. I'm a big fan. Today I'm going to be talking about the gameplay style of exploration. When I think of exploration in games, the way I define it is is one in which an important element of the gameplay is exploring a large open space one where the restrictions on where you can go aren't based directly on the plot or the goals of the game, but based on natural physical limitations. The fact that you can't get across a river, the fact that you can't jump high enough to get over a certain cliff. These are all natural restrictions to progression in a game. Any game that that has levels in it that are distinct from each other where you can't return to a previous one, I'd really be hesitant to call an exploration game. Just about every exploration game, by my definition, will have a continuous world. That is, every part of the game world that you can get to is accessible by moving there through space. I might allow games where there are several separate portions of the gameplay world that you can go back and forth between at will, or a game where there are uh, sub-levels that can be accessed from a main hub world. I I might allow that, depending on the style of the gameplay. But games I'm talking about here are games like Metroid, The Legend of Zelda series, the Castlevania games that follow the path of the Symphony of the Night, Shadow of the Colossus, it's a classic, brilliant one, and my, one of my favorite games of all time, Knit by Niflis. When I think of exploration games, I think of Knit. Knit is a game where you are a little creature who has crash-landed through no fault of your own, and you need to recover the parts to a spacecraft in order to be able to escape. And the entire game is simply exploring this space this this world it's it 
uses a side view and platforming mechanics. And at, from the beginning of the game, you have all the abilities that you need to successfully collect all the objects in the game. You can collect any of the objects that you have to get in any order. There's no reason why you can't get the furthest away one first. The only sort of ordering that's imposed on you is that you have the ability to find the absolute direction to the nearest piece that you need to collect. So you naturally tend to play the game by finding one of the closest pieces and then the closest piece to that and so on and so forth. But there's nothing stopping you from exploring this interesting, beautiful, wonderfully scored world with just all sorts of interesting little things to find. Sometimes the exploration is a little more heavily bounded than that. Take the game Morrowind, which is another one of the most open-ended exploration games that I've played. When you start Morrowind, after you go through the very initial character building and tutorial scenes, you literally have the ability to walk all the way to the other side of this enormous island that you start on. Now, the limits there are that, depending on the path you take, you may run across a horrific demon or a giant sharp-toothed creature that will try and eat you, and you're too weak at that point to fight off. And you'll also meet several hundred thousand cliff racers, which is my primary beef with Morrowind, is that I was far too often chased by annoying tiny pterodactyls that I could only hit if I aimed for their tail. But anyway... Another big exploration game is Shadow of the Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus is a game that does, in fact, enforce ordering on you. You have to defeat the Colossi in a certain order. However, the world that the Colossi are in, you are free to explore as much as you want. You can go anywhere in the world from the beginning. You can go to each of the locations of each of the Colossi. The Colossi won't be there for some reason or another, but you are perfectly able to explore this beautiful, enormous world and collect all sorts of interesting little uh, power-ups that they have hidden around. A game that only sort of falls into the exploration category for me is Grand Theft Auto 3, the Grand Theft Auto 3 series. Um, Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, and San Andreas. You do have a large open world that you can explore, but that's not really the gameplay. Essentially, it's a, a sandbox game, certainly, but the things you're doing aren't really tied to exploration. From the beginning, you have a map of the area, and so you're not discovering new locations. You're just getting various missions and, and wreaking havoc in the area you're already aware of. The most heavily exploration-focused game that I have ever played, most people probably haven't heard of. It's a game called Noctis, and I will have a link to where you can download it in the, in the notes at ludusnovus.net. Noctis is a game of space exploration. All you do in this game is fly your ship from one solar system to another, check out a planet, go down to any location on the planet and walk around. The universe is completely procedurally generated, the graphics are painfully primitive, and it's really engaging for a long time as you realize that exploring this universe 
could take almost as long as exploring the real galaxy. Unfortunately, Noctis tends to get a little old because there really isn't an overriding goal. It's it's very much a, a sandbox game, a toy box game where you make your own fun and unfortunately I'm not clever enough or maybe the graphics aren't advanced enough for me to be able to make that sort of fun. But Noctis is brilliantly conceived and I eagerly hope that the sequel will come out someday. It's been in development for a long time. But here we see that, that exploration alone really isn't enough to, to make an entertaining game in the same way that games that aren't as exploration focused are interesting. You need a goal. You need the goal of Nit's collection of objects. You need Morrowind's overarching story and character development. You need Super Metroid's end goal and sequence of bosses and collection of additional objects that you can use to explore further. That's something that's common in a lot of exploration games. A lot of the games that are dubbed Metroidvanias or Zeldavanias are games in which your progress in exploration is often limited by obstacles which can be overcome with certain tools that you collect along the way. The classic example, the original Nintendo Legend of Zelda, there are all sorts of obstacles. There are short rivers which you can cross using the bridge. There are lakes that you can only cross by using the raft at a dock. There are trees that you need a candle in order to burn down. And all these things serve to confine your initial exploration to a subset of the world and allow you to experience a sense of mystery of wondering what is on the other side of this? What am I going to see? And then when you get a tool, that tool has extra significance beyond collecting a weapon in a shooting game you say, oh, not only does this maybe have a cool weapon effect, but it means that I can finally get over that river that I want to find out what's on the other side of. And this sort of exploration also very much plays to the completionist type of gamer, and I suffer from this myself. When you see an auto-map that's filling up, and you know that there's this exit to this room that you couldn't get to before, it just gets into your head sometimes where you just want to find out what is on the other side of that wall. I, I need to have a 100% completion, a 100% traversal of this game space, or else I won't feel like I've gotten everything. I'll forever be wondering what's in that room. And that's something that, that works really well in exploration games to get me to want to keep playing. And probably one of the reasons why Noctis doesn't hold my interest as much as it could is that I know that I'm never going to see everything. The galaxy is too enormous for me to see in my lifetime. People have spent a whole lot of very real time traveling to the edge of the galaxy, and it takes a long time, and you've only gotten a very small segment. But if a game is sufficiently large that it seems like a, a massive but possible undertaking to explore the whole space, but if it's small enough that I know that I can make constant progress towards exploring the area, that just makes me want to see more. Now, you need to have interesting gameplay. It needs to be fun to explore the space, 
or I personally am probably just going to give up and not want to play anymore because it's not worth it to see what's on the other side of that mountain. But games like Knit or An Untitled Story are games in which the world is interesting enough and the things I'm finding are interesting enough that I know there's got to be something just as interesting in that space I haven't gotten to yet. Another way that exploration games really grab me is for them to have a world that feels real and complex. It doesn't need to actually be complex, but if I can have a concept of that world so that it seems very real to me, I will want to explore more of it. Immersion is more important in exploration games than it is about any other kind of game because when I realize that all these animals I'm encountering, all these mushrooms I'm finding, fit into this complex ecosystem, and that I can combine these plants to make alchemical materials that will help me in my main quest, I want to explore more. I want to find what other animals there are. I want to see with my own eyes this strange creature that I've been reading about in, in a book. That's, that's something that, that Morrowind does amazingly well, is it provides you with a world that you can understand to an arbitrary level of detail. I still understand more about the botany and zoology of Vardenfell, the island in Morrowind, than I do of the plants and animals outside my own front door. Part of that is because I don't go outside enough. Part of that is just the amazing detail and craft that was put into that world. After the break, I'm going to get a little more technical and talk about how the exploration mechanic ties into issues of player agency and pacing and ways in which it keeps the interest of players and appeals to different types. exploration mechanic fundamentally boils down to is a matter of player choice. In an exploration game, the player, rather near the beginning of the game, has a very broad set of choices that she can take to progress the game. In a game like Half-Life 2, which isn't an exploration game, you're on rails. The player can travel from one event to the next, and within each small space, they have a bunch of choices. But fundamentally, each choice is moving towards the next destination, and the next destination is always set. There's never a choice of which path you can take. Deus Ex is a game which provides you with a choice of paths, 
but you still are moving from one section to another. Within each section, there's actually a decent amount of exploration because each area is very large. But it still doesn't allow this sort of open world exploration that you can get in a Zelda game. In Zelda, you may have a next task that's assigned to you, but there are things that you can do at any time to expand on that. You can put the main quest on hold and go over and collect pieces of heart or solve the problem of one of the townspeople. And that ability to choose what you want to do and have it be something meaningful is, is the essence of the exploration game. Look at Super Metroid. Super Metroid is a game in which, at the very beginning, you have a few different choices on where to go. You have a few doors that are available and a whole bunch of doors and spaces that you can't get to because you don't have the required abilities. Some of the doors which you explore make you stronger in a scalar way. They give you more health. They give you more missiles to fire. Other doors give you new abilities. Each new ability you get, each new tool you get to progress, provides you with a broadening of your choices. I can essentially look at my path through the game as a list of options I have. In a non-exploration game like Half-Life 2, that list always has one item on it. Go to the next area. In an exploration game like Super Metroid, it has a number of items. I enter an area, and in my head I catalog, I have four different options. I can open the first door, open the second door, go down that tunnel, or proceed further downward. I can eliminate one of those choices by taking it. I open a door, find out what's behind it, and I've eliminated that as a choice of new content to find. However, typically behind that door there will be another set of choices. It may just be one choice, go to the door after that, or it may be another hub area that allows me to have additional choices. When I get a tool or an ability, I get new choices based on the impossible tasks that I was presented with before. Because I can jump higher, I can now access spaces that previously weren't on my list of possible choices. A game like Knit doesn't have this pacing, but it still has a sort of branching structure, where my initial area, perhaps I can move left or right. As I move left or right, I reach places where my path splits. By going down into a cave, I've chosen not to go up into the clouds at this point in time. Therefore, I've added things to that backlog of choices where if I get stuck down underground at a task where I don't think I can accomplish it at the moment, or if I find a dead end, or if I accomplish everything down there, I can backtrack and go back up to the alternate choices. The computer scientists listening to this might want to imagine it as a backtracking artificial intelligence, where the player, in fact, is fully exploring each possible area of the world and maintaining a stack of alternate paths to take to find out more. This availability of choice for the player means that there's a reduction of frustration. Frustration can often occur when 
a player is unable to bypass an obstacle. If there's nothing else for them to do at the moment, then the player is likely to become increasingly frustrated and quit the game. And in my opinion, the goal of any game developer would be to have the player not quit in the middle because they hated your game. With a linear game, you don't have a choice in that situation. With an exploration game, if you get frustrated, even a little frustrated, you can say, ah, screw this, I'm going to go check out what was in that cave. I'm going to try and see if I can figure out what's wrong with that townsperson. And then either you become stronger, you get more abilities, get more life, get more missiles, or you become more proficient as a player with the game itself and are better able to open it. Additionally, it enables lateral thinking, where you can abandon that problem, where you can abandon that obstacle that's frustrating you, move on, and while pursuing a different task, you might suddenly realize that, hey, that thing I just did, I bet that that would help me get past that obstacle I was stuck on. However, exploration games definitely have a downside, which is that they can be overwhelming for someone who who doesn't want to or isn't experienced enough to process that long list of choices. It's very easy to get faced with this enormous expansive world where you can go anywhere and just say, well, what do I do first? And that's where you have to include a limiting mechanic, a guiding mechanic. Knit and Shadow of the Colossus have a mechanic where you can press a button and get a beam of light that shines to your next task. There's something where, oh, all of a sudden, if I don't have something that I particularly want to do, I know where I can go next. Zelda, many of the Castlevania games, have blinking icons on the map that tell you this is the next option you can do for the main quest. And that lets you have something to do if you are tired of having to pick yourself. Noctis is a game that doesn't have that. It's purely exploration, and because of that, if I say, oh man, I don't remember what I was doing, I don't remember what I want to do, or I just don't feel like making a decision right now, I can't find anything in Noctis that will point me to the next path to take, because there isn't one. I think that exploration games need to have either a clear ordering of their space, an auto-map that sufficiently indicates areas that have not yet been explored, or some sort of quest system that guides you to the next task to be accomplished in the main quest. With that, you overcome that feeling of being overwhelmed by choice, but you still have those choices that you can use to overcome frustration. And needless to say, if you've got a wide exploration game that's got a series of single bottlenecks where the only hard things you encounter one at a time, then you're going to negate a lot of the advantages you get from exploration. I suppose, in a sense, this episode is a plea to game developers everywhere. Make more exploration games. I love them. I want to see more games where you get to explore this open space, where you have a wide array of choices, and where I can sit down and try and get every damn room on that map lit up so that I know that I have gotten 100% and seen all there is to see. That's all I have for today. Please leave me a comment at ludusnovus.net if you have a favorite exploration game that I haven't mentioned here, or if you have an insight on the nature of exploration games. Ludus Novus is offered under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. The music for today was Space Doggity by Jonathan Colton, 
and it is available under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial License. Thanks for listening. Moscow to Sputnik 2 I think we're losing you Your life signs are fading We can't really say that we're